The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, Cape Town's mayor launches a campaign against extortion in the housing industry. We'll look at policing in Philippi. The Zandile Gomere case continues. Twan is mayor on the ongoing strike. And our book of the week is about capture in the courts. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. That lead story in Eyewitness News. We'll speak to our reporter on that matter in a few minutes. But police now confirming that Dr. Nandipa Magudamana has opened an assault case against correctional services. She alleges that she was assaulted at the Kronstadt Correctional Services Centre yesterday. Remember, we spoke about that on air yesterday, about the fact that she was uh, sick allegedly, and that she wouldn't appear in court and that uh, she uh, argued that she, through her lawyer at least, that she was being inhumanely treated. So an assault case has now been opened by Dr. Nandipa Magudamana at the Parkweg police station in Bloemfontein. Let me know what you think about that and, and what the fallout from that is going to be. You can send us a WhatsApp voice note, 072 702 1702 uh, In case you were wondering, the Proteas are currently playing Australia in the Cricket World Cup. We're 109 for one at the moment. Uh, De Kock and Van der Dissen are at the crease. So uh, we'll keep watching that one for you. But we start today in the Western Cape where there's an attempt to clamp down on the growing cases of extortion in the city. The Cape Town mayor is launching a new campaign today in Kyalicha and this is to do with uh, extortion rings that have been um, impacting multi-million rand housing projects in the city. A very, very big concern around the scourge of extortion and construction mafia in the province and uh, this has manifested itself in the illegal occupation of land. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, is following this story for us. Ntutuzelo Good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Tell us about this campaign that's been launched today. Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, came from Mayor Jordan Hill-Lewis today said that uh, as part of the campaign, the city has set up a 24-hour hotline and also a reward system to encourage residents to help the city and you know the authorities to tackle the extortion problem that we are seeing in Cape Town. And uh, he's saying that demands for protection fees from these local extortionists are impeding both on basic service delivery and major infrastructure projects. Um, the city's NACO member for safety and security, J.P. Smith, uh, also joined the mayor at this launch. Uh, he says they've upped security at various construction sites across the metro uh, and saying that uh, arrests relating to these so-called construction mafias are imminent. Um, also that investigations into reports of extortions are at an advanced stage. Take a listen to what he uh, had to say about the security measures that have been put in place. Uh, both water and electricity have law enforcement staff attached to them now who are escorting their services and, and protecting their sites. Uh, the city launched a facility protection officer unit a little while ago, which is a pool of law enforcement officers who do site visits and stand down at contractors and stop working in certain areas. Uh, and as the mayor mentioned, there's about 55 million rand extra private security deployed to sites. But this is not sustainable and it must not be the way we solve this problem. Because there are too many staff working in too many places 
you will need to double your service delivery budget if every service delivery team everywhere in the city has an, uh, a policing escort or private security escort standing down next so in Tutuzelo, when we look at the impact of the housing mafia, these extortion rings, when we speak about it, what is the extent of that being? What is it, how has it manifested? Why has the, the, the mayor decided to launch this campaign today? Um, he's, you know, he's saying that you know, following uh, a number of shootings at, um, and murders at some of these construction sites, um, it is important that, you know, um, this is a nip in the bud before it spreads because, um, you know, they are afraid that copycats might, um, you know, start to to imitate what has been happening. And then we, we see this problem spreading to other parts and in, in, in other services. Um, in Bogoleto, for example, and, and in Chilipi, um, city staff and um, security escorting city staff, rendering services were attacked and, you know, are people um, asking for protection fee money. And this is costing the city millions and millions of rand. So he's saying that this is having a huge financial impact on the city's budget. So hence now the launch of this um, this campaign to, to actually try and tackle this problem before it, it, it spreads even further. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, thank you very much uh, for that update. So the mayor of Cape Town, uh, Jordan Hill-Lewis, today launching that campaign in Cape Town in Kyalicha this morning, uh, looking at the extortion rings that are impacting multi-million rand housing projects in the city. Uh, we have seen a spate of, of shootings, terrible shootings, uh, and targeting some uh, housing officials in the Western Cape and extremely concerning there uh, the impact that these extortion rings are having. So that's a hotline that has been uh, set up also incentives as well uh, for the community to come forward is that enough um does it does a campaign work what else could be done i'd love to hear from you on this 702 the midday report monday to friday 12 to 1 p.m Let's stay in the Western Cape now, following uh, another spate of shootings in Heinz Park in Philippi. The community there questioning the lack of police presence in the area. Are police doing enough there? Uh, Police have made a number of arrests relating to the illegal possession of firearms in several hotspots where recent shootings have occurred. Carlo Peterson, EWN reporter, is looking at that story for us. Carlo, good afternoon to you. What is the the situation in Philippi and, and what is the concern from the community? Well, we saw uh, yesterday there were a number of arrests uh, made by uh, police retrieving illegal guns um, from some of those um, communities there. Um, in Foleni, um, uh, police spokesperson uh, Frederick van Beek mentions that the crime intelligence team, as well as the provincial extortion team, involved there um, in the confiscation of four guns in that area. We, of course, we've seen a number of shootings recently. I uh, spoke to him yesterday. The constant fight against the illegal possession of firearms in the hands of criminals who use it in the commission of serious and violent crimes led to the arrest of several suspects for the possession of these firearms on Tuesday, the 10th of October. And and is there a sense, Carlo, that the police are are doing enough in in this area and, and how the police are handling it? Well, speaking to to, um, country South Africa, um, Adele Kirsten, she said that, um, you know, she does feel that police are making headway, but not enough is being done to retrieve, um, you know, some of those guns and arrest those criminals. 
Um, she said it is important uh, for those guns to be retrieved, but not only um, the retrieval of them, but also to determine where exactly they come from. Okay. Carlo, thank you so much. Uh, Carlo Peterson, EWN reporter, speaking to us there about the situation in Philippi, where the police have made a number of arrests relating to the illegal possession of firearms. Remember, of course, if you've followed the story of the um, the police guns and the Prince Lua case, um, and you know that the Western Cape, uh, particularly areas like Philippi, are awash with illegal firearms, many of them coming from the police that were um, supposed to be destroyed. They weren't destroyed. Instead, they were sold to gangs on the Cape Flats and, and that's why you have the situation with areas like uh, Heinz Park in Philippi being awash with illegal weapons and the community there saying they are concerned there's been a spate of shootings they've questioned the lack of police presence in the area and that's what the police have to say about that 702, 702. Mandy Wiener weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. As I mentioned at the start of the show, that lead story in Eyewitness News, police confirming that Dr. Nandipa Magudamana has now opened an assault case against Correctional Services. She alleges that she was assaulted at the Kronstadt Correctional Services Centre yesterday before she was taken to court. Remember, she didn't appear in court because she said that she wasn't feeling well. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter, joining us to speak about this. Khomotso, good afternoon to you. What are the police saying about this, uh, this assault case? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, a statement has been released from the Office of the Provincial Com- uh, Commissioner in the Free State confirming that Magudumana has opened that common assault case at the Park Verg, uh, SAPS. Um, that's, uh, I, think, I believe that's Park Road here in Bloemfontein. And, um, you know, this, this really doesn't come as a surprise, Mandy, because yesterday uh, we heard her lawyer, Machine Mutlowung, addressing the court on uh, what he calls the inhumane manner that Makurumana was forced into the police van and brought to the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court for her appearance. Now, according to the statement by the provisional, uh, uh, Provincial Commissioner, it seems that they're claiming that she was assaulted at the Grunstadt uh, Detention Facility Hospital Wing, where she was uh, apparently receiving medical attention. Her lawyers have spoken, Mandy, about how she has been unwell since um, Tuesday, and they're saying that they have a medical report confirming that she has been unwell. And so it seems while she was at that facility, at the hospital wing, she claimed she was assaulted. She also claims that she was dragged into the police van and brought to court forcefully. So, Khomotso, when, when we reported yesterday that uh, Dr. Nandipa Magurumana was, was ill and wasn't appearing in court, of course, there was some skepticism from, from people saying this is all part of the tactics, right, about what's happening. We've seen bail applications. Uh, wh- what is your reading of this? Is, just, is this part of the, the, the sparring that we're going to be seeing as this, this matter continues through the courts? Well, Mandy, you know, I can say that she was seen by paramedics not once but twice yesterday. First at the Park Road Police Station where she was supposed to take her fingerprints for a second time in preparation for pre-trial. And then she was seen by paramedics again while she was in the holding cell. The paramedics were called while she was, um, according to her lawyers, lying on the floor. Um, And, you know, it seems the uh, uh, police and the correctional services officials that were guarding her felt the need to call paramedics again. And, and I think, you know, that really had me thinking about her condition. 
Now, of course, her her uh, her lawyers insist that this is not just her that's unwell. They're saying that there was an outbreak outbreak of some sort, a food poisoning outbreak of some sort, in her section at the Kronstadt facility. Now, I have made inquiries about that, calling correctional services to find out if there is indeed an outbreak. And correctional services has not confirmed that with me. So that really had me thinking about what the, what the situation really is here. Um, the state, however, is taking this matter really seriously. And I do know that the, the representative, the, the prosecutor, um, Amanda Bester, was in possession of a report from the paramedics and she believes that Makurumana is okay and there is nothing wrong with her according to paramedics. So really that's what's happening here. And I think when you put all of those together, it really does make you wonder what really is going on here. And then just to remind us, of course, we had the exceptional um, events happening yesterday where the magistrate actually went down to the holding cells to go and uh, postpone this case and, and, and understand, move it to the, to the high court. Just remind us what the status is of that. So eventually, ultimately, that didn't happen. And I believe it's because Nakurumana was unwell while she was in the prison cells. Um, and so the magistrate then ended up not going down as it was anticipated. Uh, what happened, however, is that uh, her lawyer, Machini Mutlaung, was then served um, on her behalf. So what would have happened really and what we were expecting to happen after I spoke to a couple of officials is that the magistrate was then, for formality's sake, going to inform Akurumana of the decision to refer the matter to the High Court. That, then, that happened then um, to Machini Mutawung, who was representing Makurumana. Um, um, so as it stands right now, officially, the matter, she has also been served with the indictment, as all the other accused have been, through her lawyer, and she has been informed through her lawyer of the decision to refer the matter to the High Court. Khamotso, thank you for wrapping all of that up for us. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter, speaking to us there, uh, giving us an update. So Dr. Nandipa Magurumana now opening an assault case, uh, saying that she was assaulted yesterday. Uh, she says that she was assaulted in um, on, on her way to go and appear in court. She also wasn't feeling well. What are your, your views on that? Uh, do, you, do we give her the benefits of the doubt? Um, the paramedics treated her. Apparently there was a paramedic report that the prosecutor has in her possession, which says that, that she is fine. Is this part of the tactics now or should we have a degree of sympathy and and give her the benefits of the doubt 702 the midday report with mandy wiener let's walk the talk 20 minutes past 12 on the midday report so every week the police uh, in gauteng do an operation it's called operation chanela and today they were in ranfantine it's an anti-crime operation it's aimed at helping police stations uh, stamp out the scourge of of crime it's a visibility thing right it's about moving around the province and and showing everyone the police are doing their job uh gauteng provincial commissioner elias mawela today leading the weekly operation chanela in ranfantine uh, and this is what he had to say have a we decided to come over to the West Rand, focusing on Ranfontaine and Motlaken. Ranfontaine is one of our uh, uh, national top 30 police stations. So it generates a lot of crime. But its hottest hotspot area is Motlaken. But here is this road called N14. It, it connects us with Rustenberg. It connects us with um, uh, Fenterstor. So the people who are traveling us, especially the CIT operators, most of the time they escape through this road. Yeah, going to Rustenburg and so forth. 
So that's the Police Commissioner in Gauteng, Elias Mawela, out in Randfontein today. What do you think about this operation? They go out there every week, the visibility, uh, making sure that, that everyone sees them doing a crime operation. Uh, they arrest a bunch of people. They give us the, the stats. I think visibility is important. It's important to see the police. Uh, and they don't tell us, obviously, beforehand where they're doing the crime operation. Today, it's in the West Rand. It's in Randfontein. And that's what the Provincial Commissioner has to say about that. 7.02, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, let's go to Durban now, to Etiquini. The Zandile Gomere case is continuing. This, of course, uh, all has to do with uh, the former mayor of Etiquini and uh, that uh, tender involving the Durban solid waste system. Today, a new witness taking the stand in the trial. 320 million rand was allegedly looted through the Durban solid waste uh, tender. And uh, there have been some developments here around some of the key files that were needed in that document that seem to have been lost in a flood. Nklantla Mabaso, EWN's KZN reporter, following this trial for us. Nklantla, good afternoon to you. What's been happening in court today? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. Nothing at all, because we were expecting the state to proceed with leading evidence. Although we were told that a new witness would be taking the stand, we do understand that it is the same witness, of course, that we cannot mention because of security reasons continuing with that uh, particular evidence today in court. But he is a former employee at the Etagene Municipal Office, uh, but worked very closely with the third department uh, of um, uh, the the Durban Solid Waste Department. Um, Now we do understand that mainly um, some of the proceedings have been put to rest because a reporter from a different media house had mentioned the name of the witness, which now brings that issue of of the safety. Remember, you'd recall that one of the witnesses told the court that there was a shooting uh, at her home and that now she was fearing for her life, and so is this witness. So it seems there has been a lot of discussion between lawyers and the state in chambers, but also that general is being summoned. But now we are told that the matter is standing down for a few moments for the state and the defense to continue finalizing some of those things. Some of the accused in this matter, they may have now left court, but we do see that Zandile Gumete is still inside. The matter is, is still expected to proceed, though. Sure. Okay. Interesting developments there. And frankly, I just want to try and understand this. So when this witness has been giving evidence in the past, um, are the media actually allowed in and you can listen? You just can't say the name uh, or are, are media not allowed in at all? Well, Mandy, it's as though you're going to an NEC meeting of the ANC. You'd know at times. <laughs> well, everyone gets their phones away and everyone leaks everything yeah, anyway. Indeed. I have a big envelope next to me here. I just took my phones out because I had to go live with you. So, But you, you leave your phones here. No cameras allowed in court. In fact, a lot of video journalists and photo journalists camp outside there at the parking only to capture them going out with their cars, but not when they're going in. So inside here. The only thing that a reporter can come in with is a diary and a pen. But you cannot mention any of the witnesses for what they say security reasons. Mm, and unfortunately now, unfortunately now we have a situation where a journalist has in fact named the witness even though the court had ordered them not to. Well, the reporter told the court that she was actually on leave and was not actually focusing on this particular trial and that, uh, that that is why she then mentioned. But it seems as though maybe because, remember, today the uh, journalists from different, I mean, the, the lawyers spent here by different media houses were set to argue on behalf of the media to say this is national uh, importance. Maybe at, when you're 
may be very interested to know what actually happened to the alleged 320 million rand that was supposed to have been used what was, uh, you know, refused collection at the time. But now the lawyers um, came back telling us that uh, that hearing is not happening. Judge Shalim Bautin, they're looking very angry at uh, the journalists and, and said that actually this hearing will now take place maybe sometime next week, but it will not be proceeding as we were expecting right. it to be underway. Nkratla, thank you very much. Nkratla Mabaso, EWN's KZ reporter, giving us an, an update there on the uh, Zandile Gumede trial, which has been um, hit a bit of a speed bump there. Uh, and this is, uh, it's crucial, right? Because we've, we we know from previous reports that witnesses have been targeted in this case. We know that there was a shooting at one of the witnesses' homes. We know that witnesses in the past in other criminal trials uh, have been assassinated. So they have to protect the uh, the identity of that witness but at the same time there is an argument for um, the media to be allowed access because there is public interest here if 320 million rand from the public coffers was allegedly looted through this Durban solid waste tender while Gumede was the mayor of Etiquini, then we absolutely need to know about it but of course we also need to be mindful of the protection of the witness What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. Oh, this sounds like another Zuma debacle where it's going to be dragged on and on and on and appeal after appeal after appeal at the cost of our precious taxpayers' money. And my view is that um, they need to get these things into court, heard, ruled on, finished and clear. Um, These referrals and remanding is just uh, dragging it on. I know it's part of your right to appeal, but um, surely there must be some end in sight. We can't drag these things on indefinitely, um, i.e. Zuma. And um, because ultimately it's our money that's paying for a lot of this. Um, These guys should just need to rule, finish and clap, be it in favour or against, and let's move on. Thank you very much. Uh, I assume a reference there to Dr. Nandipa Mugodamana, who's now laid a criminal assault charge against the police for allegedly assaulting her. And and I asked the question about whether or not these are, you know, delay tactics and an attempt to uh, create that atmosphere that perhaps she she's a victim in all of this um, at the behest of, of Tabo Besta. Um, and don't forget yesterday, Tabo Besta telling the court that Advocate Dali Mpofu is now going to be involved in his defence. And we know those tactics uh, that we've seen being uh, employed in the defence of former President Jacob Zuma, the Stalingrad tactics as they are known, with the delays and the delays and we see this so often where the court process is being abused and in fact our book of the week is about exactly this, so listen at about 10 to 1 today because we're going to be speaking about the capture of the courts, uh, which is not state capture it's a new kind of more insidious uh, state, uh, insidious capture um, and, and it is this abuse of the court process so have a listen to that uh, but later on at 12.30. The Midday Report, Monday to Friday. 12 to 1 p.m. You're listening to The Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. At the start of the show, uh, we spoke to our reporter, Ntutuzelo Nene, uh, who told us about this campaign that's been launched by the city of Cape Town today in Kaya uh, which is looking at clamping down on growing cases of extortion in the housing industry in the city of Cape Town. The mayor of Cape Town, Jordan Hill Lewis, joining us now to talk about that. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for, uh, for, for making time to speak to us today. Uh, tell us about this campaign 
campaign and why you've decided to launch it and, and what it involves. Hi, Mandy. It's nice to be with you, and I'm glad that you are back safely from uh, from Israel. Uh, we we have done a lot inside the city to try to deal with extortion. We have spent tens of millions on new uh, security contracts for all of our major construction sites, on new law enforcement officers to do things like escort services and so on. Uh, and now what we are doing is we are launching an outwardly focused, we've done all of that internal work, we're now launching an outwardly focused campaign trying to mobilize community support because the, the victims of these crimes uh, is, is the communities that desperately need these services. So this year we have a, a, a record 11 billion rand infrastructure budget. That means many more uh, construction projects and many more contractors out in communities working. And that means we have seen a huge spike in, in extortion efforts and attempts. So the only way that we can really combat this, we can't have a security guard or a law enforcement officer watching everything every day or every hour of the day. We have to have eyes and ears in the community. We have to have people reporting every single extortion attempt uh, so that it can be properly investigated. So this is uh, our efforts to, to mobilize that community support for putting a stop to this before it becomes deeply entrenched, as it has already become in some parts of South Africa. Does the city have the capacity to, to act on these, these tip-offs? And, and uh, can you ensure the, the safety of the public? There's always a little, little seed of doubt for people. How do you assure them that they will be protected? I understand that, that seed of doubt, but I, I offer my complete assurance that this information will be treated by a very small group of, of investigation professionals in the city. Uh, the information is not shared with me or any other uh, senior office bearer in the city. It is only handled by those investigators who we have hired for this purpose. They have been properly vetted. They are, uh, most of them are former uh, SAPS detectives and, and we are growing our investigation capacity in the city so that we can properly deal with these threats. Uh, we, so we, you know, we have a team of about 10 investigators now. They are mainly working on these extortion cases and, and they will be handling those to push. When we speak about the, uh, the, the extortion mafia and uh, the, housing, the housing mafia, um, we mm. understand that there have been a number of shootings, uh, there are a number of incidents of concern, but, but how does it actually manifest? What are you seeing across, across the city in terms of, of, of extortion? On a very practical level, what does it look like that the community needs to be helping you with? It usually starts out with what sounds like quite an innocuous conversation. Someone rocks up, at the councillor's, the local councillor's office, or rocks up at the site office, uh, and you know wants to speak to the site manager, uh, and demands to know who is working on the site. Uh, and sometimes, you know, very often the 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 in the the starting point is around local labour, and it then quickly ratchets up from there. It becomes about handing over cash. It becomes about, you know, if you don't want major disruptions to this project, you, you have to make sure that this security company is hired. Uh, of course, the security company is totally fake. It's just, it's just a, it's an extortion racket. Uh, so the, we've actually put out a training program and a, and a helpful guide for all of our counselors and our contractors to spot these conversations as they start. What they should do is immediately cut off the conversation, say, you know, put your questions in writing. We'll get a, a, a formal response 
but uh, the the site office is not actually open to the public. It's not it's not for discussion with members of the public what the details of the contract are. Uh, so, so we, we, you know, that's how it mainly manifests. Very seldomly, it, it's just brazen violence. Someone rocks up on site with a, with an automatic weapon or something. Uh, but we should not be mistaken in thinking that this is just community level criminality. It is absolutely organised crime. It's just the the, the organised criminals make use of community muscle to do their dirty work on on these sites. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much. Uh, that's the Mayor of Cape thank Town, you. Jordan Hill Lewis, speaking to us there about this campaign that has been launched today in Cape Town in Kailicha, looking at clamping down on extortion rings and really turning to the public uh, to be their, their eyes and ears. And the great question always is, w- would you do it? Um, do you feel protected? And he is giving an assurance that it will be the information will be treated uh, as 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 absolutely uh, protected and only a small group of investigators will be be looking at it but uh, this is this is the way that that this is the only way that they'll be able to fight it is if people on the inside are able to cooperate with law enforcement 702 702 Mandy Weiner weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. From Cape Town to Tuane, and the executive mayor of Tuane, Celia Brink, today uh, with the city manager, has been holding a press conference speaking to the media today, giving a, a major update relating to the ongoing criminal strike action. That is the words uh, in the press uh, statement. And this all of, has to do, of course, with the Samu uh, strike that has been going on, the impact there on restoring services uh, to residents as well. Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter, at that briefing for us. Tabiso, good afternoon. To you, what has the mayor of Tswane been saying? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, obviously start with the fact that um, from the city of Tswane, um, nothing has changed in terms of uh, its dispute with the workers and in terms of uh, uh, the, the salary and wage increases. Now, as you do know, Mandy, that um, Action SA, members of Action SA, have actually been meeting with the workers. Uh, I think Herman Mashaba um, in a press briefing yesterday actually said, you know, the city should actually go back to the negotiation table uh, with workers. However, the the mayor, uh, the mayor, Mr. Celia Brink, said that, you know, there's no negotiating that can be done. The city cannot afford the the salary and wage increases. So that position cannot um, change. So the, the mayor did say that... Um, even though they are in coalition with Action SA and Action SA is acting outside of the coalition, uh, you know, whatever Action SA says, that situation is not going to change. So the city, Mandy, in terms of that wage increase, which is obviously the primary factor of this ongoing labor strike, the city is still maintaining we cannot afford it. And no matter how much negotiations we have, um, we're not going to find that money. Now, in terms of this development that was made in Mandy, so the city of uh, of Trane said that on the 29th of August, a waste truck was petrol bombed. Now, this was allegedly by a member who is a regional deputy secretary regional uh, in for Samu in the, in the Trane region, and uh, his car was used as um, as a getaway car um, during this petrol bombing. Now, this man has been fired from the city because he also worked for the city. However, um, the city has decided to go public now because obviously they are 
they there has been inaction by the police despite the city giving the police all the video evidence and information available. Now this is the the mayor, uh, Mr. Celia Brink, explaining just what happened on the day on the 29th of August when a waste truck belonging uh, to a contractor from the city was petrol bombed. Several weeks ago, the city of Tswane obtained evidence that a senior member of the regional executive of SAMU had participated in the fire bombing of a waste removal truck belonging to a contractor of the city. Video evidence shows a group of people being dropped off on the street. They then proceed to attack a waste truck and then to set it alight. Finally, they are collected by the same vehicle that dropped them off and then they leave the scene of the crime. The vehicle identified by its make, model and registration number belongs to the SAMU official. Of course, this evidence had to be checked and the SAMU official's version of events obtained. Yesterday, the city manager informed me that the investigators of the city had established that the official's alibi about the possession of his vehicle on the day of the attack could not be verified. And so the city manager has dismissed the official. This now leaves the question of a criminal investigation. So to be so, uh, that's of course what the mayor of, of Tuane is saying. Um, I'm sure it's too soon, perhaps, but uh, any response from Samu and, and what is their position on this generally? Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Mandy, we haven't, um, I have been uh, obviously uh, in anticipation of this call, um, I have been trying to get in touch with the Samu leadership. Uh, and that is um, obviously the... Uh, we haven't been in touch with them, so that's probably why I haven't. Um, we haven't revealed the name yeah. of the man in question yet. So no response yet from Samu. But obviously, during the day, you can imagine that we will get a response from sure. Samu about what um, uh, what their response is to this issue. Excellent, uh, Tabiso. Thank you very much, Tabiso Koba, EWN reporter, speaking to us there about that press conference from the mayor of Tswane, Celia Brink, uh, what they've been saying. And, and this, this situation is, is just, uh, it looks unresolvable, uh, unresolvable at uh, at this point between Samu and, and Tswane. And uh, we continue to see these incidents like a petrol bombing involving a, a Samu vehicle, Samu insisting that uh, it's not involved generally with, with any of the violence, that its members aren't even on strike. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. So uh, listen, listen to this, this line, right, this press conference line. The Water and Sanitation Department will lead a workshop with stakeholders in the water sector to engage on the implementation of the third national water resources strategy. Have you ever heard a more a govern, government-esque line? Um, I, I, get, uh, I feel like I get an allergic reaction to engagement with stakeholders. But that's what's happening today. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, following uh, that one for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Tell us about the, uh, the workshop and the engagement with the stakeholders on the National Water Resources Strategy. Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, of course, the... Director General of the Department of Water and Sanitation is leading a number of experts in the water um, uh, sector. And, you know, this is, you know, uh, this comes as a number of uh, of municipalities across the province are facing uh, water supply challenges. In fact, we do know that some Joburg residents currently, you know, don't have water while some are experiencing low water pressure. And today the 
Director General of the Water and Sanitation Department has attributed this to the high demand of water, high consumption of water. In fact, he's mentioned that South Africa remains one of the most, uh, one of the countries in the world which consumes more water than the average international standard. So this is a cause for concern for the Department of Water and Sanitation. And it also speaks to, you know, the lack of infrastructure uh, to supply water uh, according to the demands of people, especially in the province of Gauteng. You know, he also touched on the wastewater treatment plants in the country. At the moment, we do know that at least 40% of the wastewater treatment uh, uh, plants in the country are not efficient and are not working properly. This means that, you know, residents are subjected to poor uh, 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 water quality and we saw you know in in, in May a cholera outbreak in Hamanskral killing dozens of people and it was because of the inefficiencies at the Royval wastewater treatment pro, uh, plant so let's take a listen to what more the director general Sean Phillips had to say about this we also have to um, be much better at implementing water conservation and water demand management We have to address the problem of leaks in municipal distribution systems and we have to change the culture in South Africa of um, not using water sparingly. Our average water consumption per capita is much higher than the international average, even though we're one of the 30 driest countries in the world. And in Gauteng, another reason why we have this Gauteng water crisis now, the, the average consumption per capita is even higher still than the national average. Thank you to Alfa Ramashwana for bringing us that report and that audio. Uh, the Water and Sanitation Department leading that workshop with stakeholders in the water sector to engage in the implementation of the third national water resources strategy. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Afternoon, Mandy. Mandy, the, the issue of Nandipa, she, she will try by all means not to really appear before court and answer for her involvement in Tabubesta matter. This is what we're going to see happening now that we have in Dalimpuf also being going to be part of it. Really, this is disturbing man. It's really wasting taxpayers' money. She must just appear, state her case. If she's not guilty, then she will be let free. Mushere, bye. Hi, Mandy. With these court cases, you can actually start the TV series. You can start by Stalingrad 1.1, Jacob Zuma, The Weapon Scandal, Stalingrad 2.1, The Death of a Soccer Star, Stalingrad 3.1, The Brazen Escape, The Tabu Besta Story. It's Heidi here. Have a lovely day. Hey, Heidi, has Netflix been in touch yet? Because that sounds like a great, great series. Uh, on WhatsApp, Mike says, Mandy, Dr. Nandipa Magudamana made her bed, so she must uh, sleep on it, finish and claw, just like Jacob Zuma, uh, childcare in Protea. And this is exactly what our, our book of the week is about. So keep listening, because uh, we're about to speak about that. The capture of the courts, uh, and, and, and what we're seeing in terms of this abusive process uh, with the, the Stalingrad, but also the attacks on the judiciary as well, and attempts to, to just erode confidence in the courts and the judiciary as well. Well, and the abuse of, of the process. 702 and Cape Talk. Book of the Week.
So as I said, our book of the week is called Capture in the Court in Defense of Judges and the Constitution from Dan Mafora. And uh, it really does speak to exactly what I was just talking about, how the judiciary is facing a barrage of attacks, not just from the ANC, but from other political parties as well. And uh, as it says in, in the blurb, there comes a predictable phase in the cycle of politics where this is most likely to occur. And Dan Mafora provides much needed insight into all of this. So a uh, pleasure to welcome Dan Mafora to the Midday Report today. Dan, good afternoon to you and thank you very much for your time. Good afternoon, Mandy. Thank you so much for having me. So this book isn't about state capture, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of books about state capture, but it's about a, a new kind of capture, an insidious form of, of capture, what you call um, the, the that is ascendant anti-constitutionalism of our present moment. Explain that to us. So there is a growing sense um, among large sections of South African society that the constitution has failed or our our constitutional project has failed and that we ought to abandon it. And this kind of anti-constitutional rhetoric um, takes many forms. Um, On the one hand, you have um, you know, the, the claim by the ANC that the constitution is an obstacle to actually realizing uh, political and uh, socioeconomic transformation. And then on the other hand, you have claims that the constitution is this uh, colonial imposition um, and that it, it doesn't work because it's, it's foreign and um, European. And all of it, um, at least in my estimation, is really just the self-serving uh, campaign to delegitimize the constitution for political uh, purposes, for political goals. And so uh, the, what, I, what I call the anti-constitutionalism, I think also um, is only just a symptom of, of, a, of, of a larger trend uh, that I've identified of, of, of a value change in society. Um, and, and, and I think that the anti-constitutionalism is simply a, a, a small aspect of it. In his foreword to the book, uh, advocate uh, Tembeka Nukatobi says that uh, this book matters because it reminds us that the struggle for constitutionalism was worth it. Yet Mm. existential threats remain. Fighting for democracy remains an ideal worthy of pursuit, despite the political, economic and social risks of disintegration. That's the the quote from from the foreword. Um, Is is that in line with, with why you wrote it? Absolutely. And what I was trying to explore is the reasons for this, 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 this pushback against constitutionalism. And what, what comes up is this idea that, you know, politicians are very interested in having power that is unconstrained or that is unrestricted. And that itself um, is, is, is a great danger to the, the, the idea of democracy that we have. Um, where there's uh, a multiplicity of voices, where there's the protection of rights, and where politicians have to act in in, in accordance with um, a, a higher a, a higher law, as it were. And so, absolutely, Timbala um, Ngretobi um, is is completely right on that. That even as we fight um, to preserve constitutionalism, we should. Um, recognize and acknowledge that the material realities of South Africans 
do not reflect those values that that we we, we try mm. um, to uphold. And so, uh, yeah, that's 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 kind of um, where 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 the book is going. Uh, so, Dan, the the subtitle of the book is in defence of yeah. uh, of of the the judiciary and the constitution. Um, and and you say that you you've written it because you feel like the responses were reflexive and and uncritical. So, mm. did you feel like you needed to 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 say? Hey guys, this this is how we should be responding to these attacks. Absolutely, I find that a lot of the responses are quite um, they're quite dismissive, right? There's no actual engagement with what um, the 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 critics on the other side are, are saying, and I think that's a weak point because people don't feel heard and they don't feel um, 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 taken seriously or, 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 or responded to. And this is my attempt to say, let's engage at your level with your arguments and see if they bear scrutiny. The golden thread that runs through through the book is what you, you call your preoccupation with what you see as the root of the ascendant anti-constitutionalism that takes the various forms explored in these pages. And you say that this is anti-intellectualism. South Africa mm. is a deeply anti-intellectual society. Mm. And this anti-intellectualism pervades every facet of our society. What do you mean by saying, should I be offended by this, that we are um, an anti-intellectual society? Uh, please do, do not be offended. Um, so we've seen, and 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 it's it's a very uh, it's a very difficult topic to 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 pass out. Um, and hopefully, you know, there'll, there'll be greater um, opportunities for, for or opportunities for greater um, elaboration later. But basically, what what I saw is this proliferation of misinformation, the proliferation of um, conspiracy theories, um, this refusal to reason, to um, consider uh, very sober um, explanations for why the country is the way that it is. And that to me uh, seems to stem out of um, the, the, you know, the vilification and the kind of um, villainization of, of, of intellectuals that we saw uh, in the Zuma era and that has continued throughout where uh, we are extremely suspicious of each other. We are ruled by our, our, our biases. Um, we're not willing to engage with one another in good faith to find solutions to our problems. And that to me strikes me as a feature of like much of our society, much of, of, of public mm. life um, revolves around is, is like that. Like uh, things are, you know, like enemy lies are drawn, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, very simply um, without any real engagement uh, happening. Yep. Well, Dan, thank you very much. Um, I know that uh, it's always the challenge on the show, right, is, is we have to try and discuss these, these very complex issues in a very short period of time. And you've done a great job of, of doing that. Uh, so thank you for, for coming on, Dan Mafora, the author of our book of the week. It's called Capture in the Court in Defense of Judges and the Constitution. And, and very much an intellectual response to these uh, barrage of attacks that we've seen on the judiciary in South Africa.